Good morning and welcome to the Leadership Insurance Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, uh, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by Ariad, who is president of um, First Connect, which is a hippo company. Is that the best way to introduce it? Um, yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good headline. Uh, First Connect is a fully owned subsidiary uh, under Hippo, uh, and it's a platform, digital platform, uh, targeting to empower and to uh, provide value to independent agents all across the country by providing them access to top carriers all across the nation, as well as technology solutions for helping them to manage their agency efficiently. There we go. There we go. There's, there's a well-practiced uh, one-line picture <laughs> just said. Um, love that. Um, look, thank you for joining me. It's, uh, it's really kind of you to give your time up. I know you're a really busy guy, particularly because of, you know, this, this new subsidiary that you're you're running the first connect uh not necessarily that new but i know there's there's a certain amount of impetus at the moment so that's really exciting um but i wanted to take it back because i think it's really good to give some context as well because you know hippo very well known you know very successful insurtech um been probably an insurtech before an insurtech was an insurtech um at the start um and you've been with them since day one you're part of the founding early team certainly so I think it'd be great to kind of hear some of that journey before we kind of dive into the kind of nuts and bolts of what we're doing today yeah happy to uh yeah as you mentioned I joined I was lucky enough to join Hippo very early on uh in January 2016 uh right after the seed round as the first uh, employee of the company uh and I joined as uh the head of product and later became the chief product officer of Hippo uh, and product in the sense of technology and customer experience not the insurance product uh and was a Pretty much busy with building the customer experience, the agent experience, the distribution channels, uh, and everything uh, throughout those years until I, about a year and a half ago, I transitioned into managing uh, First Connect under Hippo. Mm. Mm. Thank you. And I, th I think that product experience is something I want to dive into before we get to the kind of First Connect piece in detail. Because I think that's product, customer experience, customer journeys is really where the battleground certainly obviously it still is but always always kind of kind of was the um the emphasis of, of kind of some of this early stage you know you, hippo obviously but you know, lemonade and, and other kind of big um direct cons consumer brands or even those using distribution channels like brokerage um I, and i think it's it's really fascinating to see how much product has had a part to play in that because that's that's really the kind of forefront of that battleground and you coming from that i think is an interesting journey to discuss like when you look at Hippo, what do you think that's kind of biggest improvements of the kind of insurance customer experience has been in your time there? Yeah, a few things. I would start with the most, uh, I would say, fundamental value proposition that we went live with in the early days, which is the ability to get a quote in 60 seconds and to complete the bind online in five minutes. Back in the day, and I'm just talking about 2015, 16, 17, it was very uncommon to be able to get a quote online and then to complete the binding, the purchase of the policy online. Even though e-commerce was already flourishing, the common experience, at least in the US, has been that you get maybe a quote online, but then you are being asked to call an agent over the phone in order to complete the purchase, which is not exactly what customers are delighted by. Um, so the ability to create a quote, a streamlined quote, by using third-party data and some other techniques in order to increase the accuracy and the speed to quote and then completing, completing the bind was kind of our, uh, one of our initial value proposition back in the day. And it's still something that is uh, playing a difference uh, for us. But it goes, of course, beyond that. 
Uh, <clears throat> one thing that we had in our philosophy from the very early days is to meet customers where they are. So we actually use technology and product thinking in order to build an omni-channel strategy for our distribution. For example, we have a very uh, successful partnership with several builders in the US. So when you're in the, in the process of buying your new home, in many cases, you also get the mortgage, and the financing from the same uh, point of sale, and you're being offered a customized um, uh, insurance policy on the spot that is based on the characteristic of the house you're in the process of buying financing uh, as a new build. And that's something that we build uh, specifically to allow customers to benefit from the ease of use of HIPPO in the, pro in the process of buying uh, a home. Another example of that is that we also expanded the HIPPO product, even though it started as a direct-to-consumer, we also expanded it to be a good fit for agents. So we created a different flavor of the HIPPO systems uh, that was initially direct to consumer, we expanded it to be also used by agents and to get agents to benefit from a sleek consumer grade uh, experience. Because as a matter of fact, <laughs> shameless plug also, you know, for my current role at, uh, at First Connect, many people are still um, calling independent agents and the channel of independent agents is nothing but going strong. Uh, so we made sure that even when you are a customer who doesn't want to go online to get a quote in five minutes and buy by himself for whatever reason, uh, you can call your agent and then we are there. Like we are also as HIPPO, we are there and we are serving the agent in the same, in the same way. Uh, and at the same time, we also, uh, the, the ability, the technology ability that we had and the fast pace that we are operating in allowed us also to do a very rapid geographic expansion. We basically, in the few years that HIPPO has been around, uh, we expanded into more than 40 states and reaching to about 94% of the US population. And keep in mind that it's a state-by-state -state regulated industry. So it's not a trivial undertaking to be to be accomplished, uh, at least not in such amount of time. And it's not only the, the launch in a new state, you also need to keep the product up to date and to refresh it with the latest <clears throat> uh, regulation and pricing and so on. So it's a, it's a major undertaking that I can't imagine doing it successfully without uh, the support or without the enablement of a sophisticated technology platform. And I would just, uh, you know, to complete the kind of the, the chronicle uh, journey, I would just say that uh, we also launched the HIPPO Home Health Score, which is, again, based on first and third party data, uh, allowing customers to benefit from personalized maintenance checklists in order to increase their, uh, or to make them more, uh, I would say, savvy homeowners that can take better care of their homes more easily. Uh, and so, which of course also benefits the insurance side. And most recently, we actually made this app available not only to HIPPO customers, but pretty much to any homeowners in the, in the US. So as you can see, technology was both a driving force and an enabling factor in our journey from the early days until stuff that we actually released in the, in the past few months. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the theme that cuts through that though and I think this is where kind of being someone that works comes from product from a um, SaaS because you were at LinkedIn before and you, is that correct? Yeah, I, don't, I, I didn't tell from insurance yeah I, I can yeah, yeah, yeah. tell you after uh, I was at LinkedIn doing product management and some other similar stuff before yeah yeah I, I think someone that comes from that side of the house um, there's almost there's a baked in customer centricity with that you know, you're always thinking about customer and you're thinking about individuals using 
systems and, and how do we get more engagement and particularly something like LinkedIn, you know, LinkedIn is all about engagement. How can we continue to get people to engage with the platform? Um, and that's something that insurance has always struggled with. And I, and I was thinking, as you were saying this, I was like, insurance knows, because I was going to say, do you, I was going to ask you a question of, do you think insurance knows enough about its customers? And I think it did, but it knew enough about its customers in respect of what they represented as a risk. I don't know if it knew enough about its customers in terms of what they needed and wanted. Um, do you think that's a fair kind of assumption? And I'm talking about at the early stages that, that it was less about people, what people wanted, what they represented as a risk. I think it's a fair, it's a very fair assumption. Uh, when you look at the wealth of data that insurance companies have about pricing, losses, underwriting consideration, it's, it's incredible, right? I mean, those companies, especially the ones that have been around for decades, they have Sorry, uh, quite a meaningful amount of data that pertains exactly to the points uh, that points you mentioned. What we realized in the early days that those companies in many cases lack is customer centricity. It's not about how to use the data in order to benefit the customer or to delight the customer. It's not necessarily about how to use the data and technology in order to create a better customer or partner experience. In most cases, and there are exceptions, of course, but in most cases, it's about, okay, how to use the data in order to get like more accurate pricing or restrictions or underwriting, which is important. I'm not saying it's not. It's, the, it's a very fundamental uh, part of the business and there is no doubt, but you should, especially in today's world when customers' expectations have evolved, you should probably use the data more holistically in order to, uh, to also benefit customers and partners uh, by leveraging data, creating APIs, and make decisions faster in a more accurate way. And I think this is a kind of the gap that we identified in the early days in how we could be different as a hippo and provide better customer experience that stands out. Mm. And it's where the opportunities are. I was, I was having a conversation this morning with um, a person that's a sort of uh, as a DE&I expert in in the insurance industry and we were talking about hiring and we were talking about talent and actually the conversation evolved into being a conversation about if we don't know our customers well enough and different customers cultures and 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 and, and for example kind of background we're missing opportunities to sell them, sell them insurance and, and one of the, the the examples that they kind of used was that in different cultures people think more in a family orientated way or community oriented way as opposed to, you know, uh, UK and US is quite individualistic. So they were saying there's no point trying to sell to these kind of family-orientated um, cultures a individual life insurance policy or an individual kind of health insurance policy because they want to buy things. in. So they were saying it's not, not just as simple as saying um, it's not serving the customers you've got. It's also kind of you're not bringing in customers that you could have. Um, but anyway, I'm going off topic, which I, I tend to do. I apologize. <laughs> but um, I really wanted to talk to you about the kind of your career path, because we're, we're always fascinated about talent. That's what we do. We're, we're a search business in the insurtech space. I wanted to know, you've been in the insurtech space for a long time now. How do you think the perception of insurance as an employment destination for, you know, product or tech engineering talent has like evolved over that time? Because there's definitely been a shift. Yeah, uh, I think it's a great question, and it did evolve. Uh, let, let me start, and you know, it touches the, the issue, the, the question we just discussed. Many insurance companies have not been very focused on product thinking or even technology. And you know, even when you look at the terminology, 
in many cases, more traditional companies refer to their technology teams as IT, um, which is fine, but it just tells you a lot. Like it's not about innovation or product thinking. It's more about delivering a service to the business unit and to the actual units and to the claim units and so on, uh, which again, nothing wrong with that. It's very, very important. And it's a crucial part of the business, but it's not the full picture. Um, and you can't really drive innovation when you think about uh, the world of technology in this, uh, in this way. I think it kind of limits you. What I believe has happened over the past few years, uh, and it's still obviously work in progress and we are not at the end game <laughs> just yet, but I do believe that companies such as Hippo, and not only Hippo, by the way, there are some other great players in the insurtech industry and community that are also uh, are a force of change. And I think those companies, including Hippo and, uh, and our other peers, are slowly changing the paradigm, demonstrating that you could actually uh, build both a strong insurance muscle as well as a technology and product, which is customer-centric muscle. Um, and you can show by doing that right, you can show the role of technology and the value that it adds to the um, that it adds to the to the industry, like. You could still have rapid, you know, rapid uh, iterations over your rate plans and underwriting uh, policies and state expansion, which is very, very closely tied to the insurance side of the world. You can do that while at the same time uh, improving the online buying experience, quoting and buying experience, creating a suite of APIs to be used by your partners, uh, delighting agents that are selling your product. And I think what you know, we've been able to demonstrate is that it could be done and it's not materially different at the end of the day for many other industries. I mean, let, let, let's get out of the insurance conversation for a second. When you look at other industries, and I think FinTech, for example, is a great, is a great uh, case in point because it's also, it's a complicated industry, regulated, uh, been, you know, uh, pretty much heavy on the more traditional players. But when you look at the curse of FinTech uh, over the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years or so, um, you've seen quite a material shift. I mean, the, the curse of this ship of the industry as a whole kind of change. I mean, you've seen the emergence of, now they're not early players anymore, but PayPal is a relatively newcomer. Uh, Stripe on the enterprise side, it's a huge player, but again, it's relatively new. Uh, Venmo, SoFi, and many more others uh, that you, know, you could call out. They actually changed the way... Um, customer experience works in the fintech world, both on the consumer side, but also on the enterprise side and the B2B side. And right now we almost take it for given that you can you know, <laughs> send payments instantaneously uh, online via Venmo or PayPal or whatever and buy stuff online or implement uh, payment into your website if you're a small business owner, we take it for granted. Mm -hmm. But all of this stuff was not around 15, 20 years ago and it was introduced to the world by the integration of product thinking, customer experience, API um, infrastructure and ecosystem that were built by those companies over the past 15, 20 years. So I believe insurance is going through a very similar uh, life cycle, only that it started a bit, I think, later for several reasons. Um, but I think that's, in essence, the promise of InsurTech. Yes. I think that's, yes. that's, the, that's kind of the, the sum of it at the end of the day. Mm. Mm. I I was at a talk in um, Qatar uh, week before last, and we were asked about this kind of like um, 
talent conundrum. And, and I just said, what we need to focus on is, is the exciting stuff that's happening in the innovation of the space. If you just say, oh, do you, if you try and hire engineering talent or product talent into insurance and you just say, oh, do you want to come work for an insurance player? They're probably going to say no because they've got it. It's got it's got a bad reputation, uh, not a bad reputation, but it's not it's not seen as exciting. Whereas if you talk about the individual innovation that you're doing, um, whether that be kind of working with uh, ML or working with kind of like advanced technologies, um, that's that in itself can be exciting. So I, I always kind of advise people to take it down to a project layer and go, okay, this is the project the framework within it because if, for example fintech doesn't doesn't actually have a lot of that kind of uh negative reputation and pr but but you're talking about you know making payments more exciting you know that's not exciting it's certainly not as exciting as insurance but they've ma we've managed to do that so i think it's interesting it's a sort of reputational piece um, but you know, Alex, let me let me comment on that for a second. Uh, I know we're going a bit off script, but this is a great point. And you know, I can <laughs> I cannot count the number of times that I was interviewing candidates, you know, for different yeah. jobs at Hippo, and I got this kind of you know reaction because this is exactly what you know people have in mind. And usually, my reply, and you know, first of all, it's kind of a self selection in a way, and it's fine. But sure. uh, in many in, in a different, if you look at it a bit differently. Um, it's not only about how sexy an industry seems like from the outside. In many cases, the sexy industries are the ones that are already saturated. There's been a lot of innovation and very little value to be had, to be built uh, further. In some cases, the unsexy industries are, you know, the ones that are ripe for disruption, innovation, and there is a great business to be had. So just, you know, to give you an example, uh, if I would have told you that you could use, you could join like a, a, essentially a taxi company in the late 2000, the first uh, decade of the 2000s. Sure. Sounds pretty boring and not sexy, right? Yes. But that that became Uber, which mm. is pretty pretty huge, I would say, right? A lot of value yeah. creation. Uh, yeah. you, could, you, you could join like a, I don't know, book retail <laughs> company in the 90s. Sounds very boring and not sexy. It became yeah. Amazon. Yeah. Uh, same goes to... I don't know, hospitality, who really wants, you know, what, what kind of engineers want to work for a hotel chain, but that became Airbnb. So yeah. in many cases, you know, the initial perception of how sexy an industry is very, very misleading, and it gets you to lose the bigger side or the bigger picture about the value of the industry and the potential for innovation, value creation, and benefiting, uh, you know, customers' life. I mean, think yeah. about those companies like Amazon, Uber, and Airbnb. They play a huge role in, okay, at least in my life, and I'm sure that in many of your listeners' life, but the initial pitch of the industry, you could also position it as a very unsexy, a very unattractive <laughs> uh, pitch to begin with. It played out a bit differently, though. <laughs> yes. No, that's a really important point. That's a really important point. And, and we've still got the journey to go. So that's why it's exciting. Right. We need to bring it, we need to bring it to the first, first connect. Because um, I think, you know, this is, well, we connected um, in the first place when we were in, uh, in Short Tech, uh, New York. Um, so it was. I think it's, it's important to explain the kind of it was an acquisition, wasn't it? It, it wasn't. Yeah. It, it wasn't. Wouldn't evolve. You know what was what was the rationale? What was the opportunity? Um, and I suppose kind of why go down this pathway, right? Rather than just doubling down on the exist, existing hippo success. It, 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 no, I, think, I, think, <laughs> I think it's a great question and, and a fair one. 
so first of all, First Connect, as we mentioned before, is a platform, digital platform that is being used by thousands of independent agents across the US in pretty much every, almost every state. Um, and it's uh, allowing those agents to get access to a very broad, uh, wide portfolio of uh, insurance carriers and MGAs, both traditional ones, as well as uh, more of the insurtechs uh, part of the spectrum. <clears throat> now, uh, to bring, uh, to go back down memory lane, uh, <laughs> when Hippo was still going very, very fast in the very early days uh, of, you know, the company, we were launching like new state every, every week. And so, you know, we were like in the, in the early days of like building the foundation of the business and going super fast. First Connect, which was not back then owned by Hippo, became a very major uh, fast growing and large distribution channel for Hippo. So the decision was in order to protect this channel, uh, the decision was made at the end of 2020 to acquire it and to make it part of the Hippo uh, family of, you know, of uh, the Hippo organization. Um, fast forward for, you know, uh, 2021 when it was post acquisition, uh, to be completely honest, there was not a significant investment by Hippo um, at First Connect for the reason you mentioned. I mean, we were prepping for an IPO, we had to scale the business. So the focus area was probably in other places. And I was also the chief product officer back then working on building everything that was needed in order to get us to the next level. Nevertheless, <clears throat> what we saw and what I noticed is that First Connect, despite very limited investment in the day, was growing very rapidly. So that for me was a very interesting indication for a strong product market fit that if you have a business that is growing rapidly without a lot of investment, there's probably something that is done right. Yeah. Uh, no, not to go into too many details, but you know, I double clicked on that and I saw some more specific data points that convinced me even further in this, uh, in this thesis. Uh, and then uh, what I started to think about, and it was, I, unfortunately, I had a lot of free time back then. It was during one of the COVID <laughs> waves. So I, I had to cancel some, you know, uh, family trips, family vacations. So I had a lot of free time to dive into the business and into the industry. And what I found out that is the potential over there, it could be way more than just a meaningful hippo distribution share, which is important by itself, but it could be so much more. So um, what we've done over the past year and a half since I started, I started pretty much in January 2022, we put a lot of effort into both the business development side and we pretty much increased the number of carriers and MGAs or insurers that we offer to our agents to be over 70, pretty much doubled, even more than doubled since I, since I joined. Uh, which, especially in this market, I think it's a pretty big, <laughs> pretty big deal. And we are, we are taking a lot of pride in offering this optionality to our agents. We've been growing the agent base, obviously, by a lot. Uh, and we've been working very hard on adding different layers of technology and ease of use in order to benefit both the agents that are using the platform as well as the carriers that are getting their sales uh, to the platform. Um, and basically, the overarching thing here is how to level the playing field between small to medium, I would say, independent agencies all across the country that usually don't have access to meaningful technology um, resources. So basically, how to, level the, how to level the playing field between those agencies and the larger uh, direct-to-consumer agencies that do have access to technology and are competing with those businesses. And by the way, it's, it's a huge part of the industry. Like independent agents in the US are driving hundreds of billions of dollars in premium 
across different business lines like every year. And in some instances, their share of the market is actually growing and increasing. So the value proposition here for the economy as a whole uh, is quite significant. And we believe that, you know, given our unique position of being part of HIPPO and having access both to insurance know-hows as well as to technology and customer-centric culture, I think that we are very uniquely and well positioned to bring to market um, this innovation uh, that benefits the independent agent side of the of the business. Mm. And, and just so, just so, to complete the picture, the lines of business that they can access does it just mirror what HIPPO do themselves, or, or are there there are more lines of business that the that, that agents can access? Yeah, that's a great question, and the answer is definitely, <clears throat> definitely the latter. Uh, so yeah, obviously they access HIPPO and some other home carriers and personal line, which is fine. Some of them, by the way, are HIPPO competitors, which is fine because we believe that we should, again, meet our customers where they are. In this case, it's the agents. And agents need optionality. And agent optionality means that it's not only HIPPO. But it actually goes way deeper than that. Uh, we offer them also auto carriers for car insurance. Uh, we offer life insurance. And most interestingly, I would say, we also offer... Uh, commercial lines appointments with some of the country's leading um, leading commercial carriers. Uh, we just announced a few months ago, I think it was the end of last year, that we went live with Byberg by Berkshire Hathaway, which is an amazing brand that brings to life both um, great agent and customer experience with competitive pricing and also using technology and all of that, still using the, the strength of the Berkshire Hathaway family of companies. Um, great hit with our uh, <laughs> with our agents as you can imagine we also work with uh, you know other uh, insurtechs uh, part of the of the family uh, for this kind of uh, solution and we've seen quite a lot of success with commercial lines um, especially nowadays where more and more agents are trying to diversify their book of business not to rely only on personal lines which has become very very tough so they are actually moving into commercial lines, small commercials. Um, and we are, again, we want to be where our customers are. So we actually improved and built a pretty meaningful selection of um, commercial lines offering to our agents, which has been growing in a, in a, in a great pace. Mm. I wanted to dive into a little bit about those um, relationships um, because... You know, you've been at the forefront of innovation in other industries. You've, you've come into InsurTech, been the forefront of that innovation. Um, but I think what's interesting about this role is it's, it's a very, the success of it is a collaborative success. It's a, it has to be a market dynamic success. Agents need to do well, carriers need to do well. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> you're, not, you're not running a not-for-profit, so you need to do well. Um, what's been your experience of kind of that sort of collaborative innovation across the insurance industry? Um, anything surprised you? Any kind of challenges or burdens that you didn't foresee? So I, I think I fully agree with you. Uh, I think one thing that I'm still sometimes surprised, and again, I don't want to generalize too much, uh, but mm -hmm. I'll go, I'll go a little bit uh, on that on that uh, direction, is that in many cases the ability to collaborate when you're talking about technology stems from the presence of APIs, and in some cases it's been you know, I think there is still way to go in the industry to improve APIs, availability, accuracy, and so on. Uh, but on the, you know, on a positive note, 
even today is so different from when we started like seven years ago so something like that like it's much more i wouldn't say it's easy but it's easier uh, than it used to be to build ecosystem and apis and so on um and yeah i, I think you're right uh there is no doubt that in order to be, build a business it needs to be a collaborative effort because look, look at the, the requirement here i mean you have agents and agents usually want to sell and to service their customers with a solution that fits their, their needs and to build loyalty and so on. At the same time, carriers, usually they want to sell, but in some cases, especially in today's market, they care even more about profitability and about growing a meaningfully uh, profitable business and not one that they would need to, <laughs> to remove or to different or to price uh, differently in a few months or few years, right? It's not a good business model. Um, and in many cases, when we go live with a new carrier partner, one of the first questions we ask them uh, in the early days of the partnership after we have a little bit of data is, what is the loss ratio? How is it going? Uh, and the reason we ask that is because, yeah, it doesn't go straight into our bottom line, obviously. I mean, it's not a monetary <laughs> uh, metric, but we care a lot about it because this is the only way to move forward. So what we do, and again, we the role of technology plays a big part of it, is to make sure that we are able to vet and validate our agents to make sure that they're properly licensed and they have the right kind of experience to be a good fit to the carrier's uh, appetite. So basically what we allow to do, again, by using technology, is for agents to select the carriers that are a good fit for them, but also the other way around to allow insurance carriers and MGA to vet and to surgically locate and find the agents that are a good fit for their appetite. And that's something that has led to phenomenal business results in terms of both growth and profitability. And I think it's, uh, again, it, it's a testimony for what difference technology makes. Because in some instances, and the expectation in the industry is that, hey, if you work with like a, you know, a platform for agents, all agents, we get access to all carriers right away. But no, the world is more uh, nuanced than that. And again, because of the customer-centric mindset that we have and the usage of technology, we were able to build a suite of solutions that allows us to tackle exactly that in a way that leads to a profitable growing business for our partners, which is like super, super important. And you know, at the end of the day, if the agents are happy and if the carriers are happy, then we are going to be happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's customer centric thinking right there. But um, but no, that's really that's really interesting. Um, I think the that collaborative nature of these kind of market dynamic uh, models is is so interesting because it's also it's an enablement platform as well. You know, the, the, as you say, there's barriers to entry being an agent which aren't always anticipated, and I also think there's barriers to kind of people having a good work life balance. Whereas giving them that tools that allows them to access good carriers and how to access them digitally and, and, and in an efficient way, one, it makes it a more, we, you're encouraging a more diverse agent pool um, and, and there's more longevity in someone's career if, if you're essentially making it slightly kind of easier. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, PC, I, I've just written a pitch for you there, but it's, it's, <laughs> that's, that's fine. <laughs> no, no, I fully agree. Uh, I don't want to spill the beans on stuff that we have planned for the remainder of the year and so on, but we have quite exciting and I would even dare to say aggressive plans about how to benefit 
agents experience further and to use technology in more and in, in increasingly uh, interesting and innovative ways to benefit their efficiency, uh, work-life balance, and so on. So yeah, mm. we stay tuned. We have a lot uh, in the works right now. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I just kind of wanted to probably finish on this question because you know you've early started to hippo, go on the journey, chief product officer, senior role. Uh, I won't say easy role because you're an aggressively growing company, an ambitious company. So, but 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 why take on this new challenge for you personally? Uh, and how does it feel first connect does, does it does it feel like a startup does it have that kind of startup dynamic to it does it yeah, does there, it matter <laughs> there is a lot there is a lot to unpack here so you know i i've been with hippo in the as the product person for about six years yes. which is a long time and it's been a great a great ride but at a certain point you know i was also looking for some different ways to go my career and to do exciting stuff uh, mm. over again and this opportunity with first Connect when i identified the product market fit and the trajectory that the company was already at was very very appealing because i believe that and you know so far it has been proven right that there is a lot of value to be created if i would be able to bring my experience at hippo in the early days of building a customer-centric solution, but to bring it into the independent agent's world. Just, just to give you an example, I had like an epiphany moment in the early days of Hippo when uh, Rick, who is now our CEO, and I were building the uh, agent channel for Hippo. I still remember I had like this uh, conversation with one of the agents that was using like a very early uh, version of our uh, quoting and buying funnel that we built for agents. And he basically told us that, hey, you know, in the time it takes me to buy, you know, to quote and to bind uh, one big, co never mind the name, but one big company uh, policy, I can do like four heap policies because the experience is so much better. And it just demonstrated to me what value you could create by taking this design thinking, customer-centric thinking, and bring it not only to the consumer, but also to agents. And that's something that I was really passionate about building it and still I'm passionate about building it at first connect so you know the, the timing is pretty much about that and I would say that um, you know sometimes the stars need to align in a certain way and I think in this case you know it was a combination of uh, you know me kind of uh, finishing off like six exciting years uh, at the hippo product role uh, at the same time first connect kind of picking up so I think it was kind of a nice alignment of the stars that, um, you know, that was also very nicely overlapping with my passion about building uh, business from almost from scratch and having like customer centric, uh, customer centric thinking. Um, I would say that in addition to that, um, there are some other aspects, you know, when you look at the market as a whole, there are some other interesting dynamics that are at play that make makes me made me even more excited about this this opportunity. So first of all, you know, we see more and more agents going direct into the into this world because, in many cases, being captive is very limiting. I mean, just a few days ago, we all saw the news about State Farm, which is the country's biggest insurance company essentially stopping writing new business for uh, home and commercial in California, which is a huge market, obviously. Yeah, of course. So think about yourself as a captive agent that all of a sudden you can't do it anymore. Like, so many agents are actually moving into the in independent route in order to provide livelihood uh, and to make a living. Uh, and 
this is kind of a tailwind that is very supportive of our business model because we are a very easy to use platform that they can onboard themselves like you know in a few minutes and essentially start selling very very quickly again <laughs> using technology and design we just make it simpler um, than the rest of the pack um, and second you see more and more carriers putting more emphasis on selling through independent agents but again in a surgical nuanced way in order to make sure that their business is profitable and again we are positioned in the right way to do that so i think those are kind of tailwinds that are also supporting our uh, our effort you also asked about you know first connected to the startup and i i would say that the answer is definitely yes um we are Yes, I mean, we are part of HIPPO, so we get access to HIPPO's uh, technology and resources, uh, which is great. But at the same time, the team is deliberately, uh, the first connect team is deliberately rather small and lean. Uh, we are moving extremely fast, launching like new product features and capabilities almost every week, in some instances every week, launching, launching like new carrier partners every other week or so. Uh, so we are taking a lot of pride in our ability to move fast talking to customers a lot, which is something that I'm very, very passionate about. Um, just came back from an agency tour a few, like a couple of weeks ago, meeting a couple of, a few of our agencies. Like it's a super important thing for us. Um, so yeah, we try to essentially benefit from both, from the best of both worlds. Like we are part of a large organization that has resources and, and you know, and, and presence in the market, but at the same time, we are also moving very, very fast independently uh, in order to grow our business. Mm, mm. It's, it's really interesting because we, I, was, I was talking to someone earlier today about um, Zinni Shortek founder and, and I was saying from our perspective, we've seen a lot more in the corporate venture space, CBC space, um, and we've been, they've been more active. We've been more engaged with them from a talent perspective and they've been yeah, building, building out their teams and, and we've been involved in some of that, uh, particularly in the UK. Um, and then... You know the sort of evolution of this this is this is almost a, you know it's a, it's a corporate venture play within within the hippo so sort of insurtech mega insurtech now kind of going into this world of kind of building out these new streams so it's a really interesting evolution i think hippo continues to be a really interesting business i'm really excited what you're going to do with first connect and i think putting someone who's got that product first mindset customer centric mindset is a really interesting kind of use of your skill set um, so, Ariad, I wish you all the success with it. Um, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to kind of, because uh, you are a very busy man, I'm aware. Um, so thank you so much for spending some time with us. And um, yeah, I hope we get to connect um, face to face again soon. Are you at any of the conferences this year? Are we going to see you? Uh, yeah, actually, I'm in InsurTech Insights next week in New York again. So uh, if you're around, uh, would love to say hi. Oh, you, you know me, Abby. You can't get me out of a conference. I'm always there, so I'll definitely be there. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Bye-bye.